Greetings, sits and sieves, and we're back, and you're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 29, and was recorded live on July 5th, and made available for download July 8th at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff. And with us this week, filling in for Lennon, is our intrepid community manager, Justin. I'm Justin. Yes, you are. What do we have this week, Jeff? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, Tony yells at some punks to get off his lawn or stop firing off fireworks. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update. The latest in-universe fiction, 10 for the Chairman, episodes 26 and 27. The latest updates to the Arena Commander. And then, next episode of Around the Verse. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we'll talk about Malazas. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and Sivs, we're always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. We're especially looking for an audio engineer to come and join the team here and assist with our weekly shows. So if you've got a creative itch that needs scratching, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email with your experience and what you'd like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One are voluntary. This is a labor of love, but we look great on a CV or resume. Sits and sieves, you may have noticed a new feature on our website, guardfrequency.com, a donate button. After six months of clockwork releases, minus vacation time, and trips to L.A. and Austin, and the occasional detour into lunacy, we're finally confident enough to set that hat out on the sidewalk. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank the folks who've already chipped in, and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Do you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Cryptor, 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 this is Tony saying welcome to the squawk box, everyone. Actually, it's another soapbox moment. Uh, Justin, would you do the honors? Okay, uh, hey, uh, uh, is, this thing, is this thing on? Okay, all right, great. Over the last few, well, more or less constantly over the last year, there's been in the game press an undercurrent of, shall we say, suspicion about Star Citizen. The goals, the schedule, the scope, the accounting, the communication, the marketing, the PR, etc., etc. Ad infinitum, ad nauseum, yada, yada, yada. These criticisms generally break down into two broad categories, transparency and delivery. Is CIG doing enough to assure its backers that their funds are being used appropriately and will that usage translate into a timely publishing of the promised product? Legitimate questions, both. And if this show was a hard-hitting investigative forum for investigative journalism, we would have devoted some serious time to this topic long ago, but we're not. We're a fan show. Unfortunately, the topic has repeatedly come to our door a few times, and it won't quit knocking. So let's address these concerns uh, put forth by the game press one at a time, and then show how they're related. First, transparency. This is somewhat of a subjective term. It would be impractical for CIG to be 100% transparent. There are just some things that, even if relevant to production and delivery, are none of anyone's business. Employee time and attendance, vacation schedule, sick leave, 
all very relevant to productivity and also none of your business. And if you concede this point to me, which legally in the US you have to, then you have to agree with me that there's a line between what should be shared publicly and what shouldn't. And I think you'll find it hard to argue that CIG is in the best position to judge where that line is, both for legal and business reasons. And that doesn't mean people won't try to argue. One author sent us an email here at the show and wondered if we wanted to have him on to talk about his particular article, the details of the conversation, including the part where I tried to weasel out of debating him and accidentally replied to him and not the other guard frequency staff and then ended up debating him. These things are not important. But one line from the article struck with me. If CIG are going to have open development, then it needs to be truly open, and that includes the things they'd rather not admit publicly, end quote. This statement implies that there's some sort of standard out there for disclosure and that CIG is not meeting it. I disagree on both counts. They chose not to have investors because the checks and balances that come with that financial model, in their view, were overly burdensome. To assert that they assumed some other ill-defined set of checks and balances is, to my mind, unsupported. In fact, they asked for money and gave vague and conditional promises of updates. In my opinion, they've actually over-delivered on that promise. They've opened up the development process and turned it into an independent entertainment product. The second concern, delivery. Loyal listener and frequent commenter Sayoldian wrote in with yet another article link and some thoughts. As I can't improve on those thoughts, I'll just quote them. What these writers don't appear to understand, because they're usually writing for the 20-something crowd, is investment capital and the risks associated with it. The point many are missing is that Chris Roberts started with a small goal and garnered those with the means, albeit small, to invest in his idea. As the money flowed in, the idea evolved, as the investors desired, into the plethora of stretch goals we have now. This model is new, and part of the reason we're excited to back it is because we want this model to succeed, apart from the actual game itself. The writer kept lamenting the delays, but the game that Chris Roberts pitched in 2012 is not the same game today. Trying to foster disingenuous accusations sorely misinterprets the motivation of players, or as I like to say, investors, and is unfounded, speculative, and irresponsible. End quote. Well spoken. Hear, hear. The real problem game journalists have is this. Star Citizen fans just don't need them. We get virtually everything we need from CIG directly. So unless they're going to do some hard investigation or deep analysis, there's nothing for them to write about. So how is it that Guard Frequency fills 45 minutes of your week every week? Well, that's our little secret. Maybe someone should do a quasi-accusatory article on that topic. Oh, and links will not be in the show notes. Well, i got to say, Tony, here, here, I heartily agree with you. And, I, and I've been following some of this... I, I don't know what it is with the game community, or I should say the game journalist community. I guess they're of the a perception that they're owed something. Yeah. When actually they're not. Yeah. I invested money in this. The idea is because I believed in the person that was backing the project. And I probably would not have done that for any other game. You know, I just, I, I don't know why people think they're owed something nobody came up to me and twisted my arm and said you know give this guy money and otherwise we won't have a game and yeah you know things will fall i could have waited until there was an actual game out there i bet there are people waiting still they're waiting to see if this gets delivered and that's perfectly fine yeah are they writing the article for that audience i don't think so i think they're writing it for the star citizen audience and they just want the clicks this game has approached development in such a new way that it's scaring other big named developers who are cozy with the journalists 
Right, which are cozy with the journalists who are getting freebies. And I, I saw a, an Alienware and a Morgue uh, giveaway, you know, something that, why are these two teaming up? They get exclusives, right? You know, they, they have exclusivity deals like, okay, we'll release this bit of information with your magazine first or with your website first. And then we'll release this new bit of information with this other different magazine. And it, it'll be an exclusive. So you'll the clicks will be driven to your website because you'll have the information before anybody else does. So, but, but CIG's turned that model on its head. Along with the publishing model itself, they've also turned the, the press model on its head by being so open with the development process. Every backer knows what's going on the minute CSG decides to make it public because they just release it themselves and we just gobble it up. What do you need a reporter for unless you want to do some real analysis? I don't want to turn uh, Guard Frequency into a, a one-hour news show on CSG. <laughs> we don't need it. <laughs> Right. I think we present the facts in a fun way and do it correctly. I mean, we're doing... We're a digest. I like that. A yeah. digest. And we only do it in the middle part of the show. It's just the CIG news segment. And, you know, the rest of it, we do some analysis. We do soapboxes. We do feedback. So we talk to the community. I mean, there's lots of stuff to do and talk about, but it's not going to be handed to you because... It already is handed to you in the form of direct announcements from the company itself. You've been quiet, Justin. Yeah, I've backed quite a few Kickstarters. Most are board games, but all I expect is, you know, every month or so, an email that says, hey, things are on track. Usually I get the production samples have come from China. They look good or they look bad and we have to change this. But it's maybe on an average game I back 10, 15 emails at the most. If it's a computer game, it's usually, you know, like... 70 emails, still no game. <laughs> I've backed quite a few. I've never been greatly disappointed. There's one game I just didn't particularly like it, but I got it. The game won't exist if nobody backs it. No. Well, and the thing is, the gap between your typical experience, Justin, with a board game, a few emails, or a typical computer game, 70 emails and still no game, and then this is just too wide for a lot of people to jump right now. And it's brand new. You know, the, the gap between your experience with a small Kickstarter project and the publishing model that's where Star Citizen is trying to live, and it's a new and different place, and it's a, it's hard to carve out that niche. But I think they're going to do it, and if I'm wrong, then I've bet hundreds of dollars and a significant number of my weekends <laughs> on the wrong horse. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's chat some CIG news. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Our crowdfunding update for July 5th, 2014, 47617000 over halfway to the Retaliator commercial and the unlocking of the majestic Space Visitation. We're just over 493,500 registered users, averaging about 6,700 a week for the past two weeks. Not bad, not bad. If you're just getting to the game, you can get your Arena Commander passes available for five bucks as there are no and will never be alpha slots ever again. Tony keeps lecturing about you guys not hitting the stretch goals before Saturday. And this letter from the chairman is nearly two weeks old. This is why we can't have nice things. But with hitting the 47 million stretch goal, what we can have is an engine tuning kit. Complete with a tap analyzer and a 38-piece Omni-Tool, this kit comes with everything the fledgling engineer needs to take a look at the mechanics of his engine and tweaks all the gory details from the inside out. And there's been a crazy amount of news in the past two weeks, so we're going to burn through most of it. Sit tight here, folks. Justin, go. First run, episode 11. We've got tons of fiction from the verse around the past two weeks. There's so much, you probably didn't miss us at all. Of course you missed us. First off, the grand finale of The First Run, a Sori Lyrax delivery series. Spoiler alert, 
there's more or less of a happy ending for a heroine, and the promise of a second and third and fourth run as she gets hired permanently as a courier. Wonder if she'll get into more trouble someday. Well, the end of one series means the beginning of another. Orbital Supermax. No, it's not the Walmart of the skies. It's a prison. At that prison is a bunch of prisoners, some of whom do not want to remain prisoners and are willing to launch missiles and decapitate the chain of command in order to leave. And that's where our new heroes, Kayla Wyrick and some guy with a dead brother named Danny, come in. Stay tuned next week for more. Last week we covered the basics of the Xi'an history with the UEE. In the latest edition of This Week in History, RSI brings us the military moment that brought down the resurgent Tavaran fleet and made the Misfit Squadron 42 a household word throughout the verse. Battle for Centauri was a turning point for the UEE and one every student of fictional military history should check out. Speaking of checking out, in another Spectrum Dispatch feature, OpNet Merc News host Sabine Mixamarillo goes off script during his Space Mercenary podcast and quits on the air. He is apparently a bit disturbed over the demise of an old wartime comrade and decided to get out from behind the mic and get back behind the stick. And finally, for those who like their fiction a little on the unofficial side, CIG has spotlighted a second round of fan contributions to the literature of the verse. Titles include Cargo Liberation and Salvage, Backbox, Falling Free, Secrets of the Xeon, and The Daybreak. Links to all these pieces will be in the show notes. Around the Verse, episodes 3 and 4 were released, featuring interviews with Star Citizen's lead writer Dave Haddock and programmer Mark the Bug Smasher Aben. The show is improving every episode as it finds its legs. They've even moved the funny sketch to the end of the show. Why didn't we think of that? I don't know. Why didn't we think of that? Have you guys watched the bits with with uh, Mark Abent? Yes. Yes. This is dangerous. They found a programmer with personality. You know how you know if an engineer is an extrovert? Uh, <laughs> is he staring at your shoes, not his shoes? Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, that is kind of dangerous, though. I mean, you find a a guy that knows how to smash bugs, and he can actually carry on a one sided conversation with the camera. Now, that that my friends is a rare combination of talent. I've been enjoying around the verse. You can tell they're still getting on their feet. They when they mentioned tighter cuts, those are better. Sometimes they seem too tight, but I think they've backed off a little bit to a good middle ground. Well, it takes time to figure out how to do a show. I mean, you know, here we are 30 episodes into it, and we're still trying to figure stuff out. It takes time, practice, energy, lots of retakes, and tons of post-production editing. And you can also check out 10 for the Chairman over on their website. As usual, we're just going to bring you the highlights. Number one, apparently the voice attack program we've discussed on the show, and that has been the subject of numerous Twitch streams and YouTubings, might just make it into the game as an official component. So forget about key maps and joystick tweaking. The power of your voice will save you. Okay, Google, cover my butt with more shields. I, I hope the way they program it is that you give your AI, that it's an AI that you program into your ship or is in your ship. And that you should be able to name your AI. Oh, you know, actually, that's not a that's that's a good point because you know, with like radio chatter, we had that uh, nuggets for nuggets about radio chatter uh, a few weeks ago. If voice attack is going to be a feature, it needs to be integrated into whatever voice over internet protocol they put into the game as well, so it can differentiate between the commands you're giving to the ship 
and the, uh, the radio chatter you're talking to your buddies, you know, the coordination of the tactics and stuff. Yeah, if you have push to talk, that would help. And then if you had a... Yeah, but I mean, how many different buttons do you need? I mean, I guess you could voice command everything and then just have one, the only button you'd really need is for push to talk. Well, it's like I would pre-enter my command by saying something like Jarvis Shields or actually name my AI so that it won't pick up on everything I, I say Prior to that, when I'm talking to a comrade on my ship. or And also, 10 for the Chairman, episode 27, uh, Chris Roberts tells us that the race course and other things will be demoed at Gamescom in August. Reasonable conclusions I think we can draw. Version 1.0 will be out by then. And the other things anticipated for 1.1 and beyond, like boarding ops and multi-crew ships, are on target for shortly thereafter. Think autumn-ish. That's my prediction anyway, so I think that uh, hopefully what they're willing to demo and uh, in August will make it into our hands very quickly after that. Again, check out the full episodes over on the Roberts Space Industries website and uh, see if there's anything we missed on there. I'm pretty sure they've said they're going to reveal some FPS stuff at Gamescom. Maybe they'll stop with the redacted stuff if they actually announce yeah, it. Yeah, I wonder what the deal is with that. I mean, everybody knows it's Elphonic. I, I don't know why they keep on it redacted. Well, I think if it were a joke, they would. somebody would have said, ha-ha, we're going to keep doing this joke about Elphonic. But I don't think anyone's actually said the word Elphonic, like, out loud in an official capacity. But everybody knows that's who yeah. it is. So I just, I'm just, i just wondering why. Somebody did. from Elphonic posted a picture, which I think was from Jump Point, and it had the name right on it. Well, see, the th- that's the funny thing about Jump Point, though, is that, you know, they take the internal communications of the team and, like, supposedly sanitize it, but they just missed it, right? So that's not an official word from CIG. That was just a oopsie. So I, I think, I mean, that's that's well, that's how we know, but it's not an official... Yeah, I just don't know why it's a secret. Like, why is it a secret? If, I mean, is there some legal reason they haven't officially announced it? Could be an... Yeah. Yeah. Could be an NDA. In the contract world, there's a, a waiver, something called a waiver. Just because you choose not to enforce a breach that particular time th- that it was a problem, it uh, doesn't mean you can't do it in the future. So somebody might say, well, you can't tell anybody I'm working on this, and then you accidentally let it leak. But the leak was only to subscribers, right, people contributing money. And so theoretically, it's in a password-protected part of the you know, website. It wasn't made officially public information, so they may be choosing not to enforce the the NDA at that point. So, or it could be just a big giant joke, like you were saying. I don't know. You know, in any case, it's Ilphonic, and yes, hopefully they'll have the first person shooter for boarding operations ready by August. Yeah, that would be fun. I'm waiting for that. Speaking of Gamescom, Gamescom 2014 will be graced by an official Star Citizen event, 8 p.m. to midnight on August 15th. 2014 at Ivark Cologne. The address is Schanzenstrasse 37 51063 Cologne, Germany. Subscribers and concierge members can enter at 7 p.m. The venue can hold 2,000 citizens, twice the size of last year. As of the time of this recording, only 138 tickets are left. Get them while they're hot, folks. Well, I hope Lennon got his ticket. I hope so, too. He's in France right now. He can pop over there while he's over there in France and grab a ticket. We had the Inside CIG Asteroid Hangar art. In this video, we get to see the Asteroid Hangar grow from a white box layout to rough models and then into full-fledged details. There's dialogue with Wingman and Mark Skelton and Behavioral as they discuss their vision, the mood they want to achieve, and details such as the size of the grout between the tiles. I'm a fan of space grout, all its various forms, and I'm glad to see that their attention to detail 
uh, is such that they are discussing grout thickness. I'd want that level of detail from somebody building yes. a real house. Grout is important. It's a detail often overlooked. It doesn't look like they used a grout cleaner on it because it's kind of a dingy, but it looks used. Yeah, and it has a it has a couch in there apparently. I don't have a couch in my hangar. I saw the couch. Did you see the couch? I saw the couch. I want to. I want to sleep on that couch. Did you see the? I want to sleep on that couch. That's a comfy looking couch. I want a couch for my deluxe hangar. I was in my hangar the other day, and I walked from one end to the other, and it takes a long time to walk. But it's so barren. I was thinking it'd be cool if they could do like little cubicle offices and have a little couple of NPCs sitting or doing stuff. Dude, if I got a hangar that big, I know yeah. it's like I, if crazy I got a hangar big. That big. I've got minions. I've got minions yeah. somewhere. Yep. I mean, there's. It's not just me in this, you know, shopping mall-sized thing. I've got minions somewhere in that. I want to see them. You're the right. best thing, though, is you get on the couch, then your minions lift you up on poles and carry you. Ooh! Screw the buggy. <laughs> in the video. It's fun to watch, and the end result is an amazing hanger that is certainly something I think it's safe to say everyone here at Guard Frequency wants, no matter what kind of ship they have, or at least a couch. All right, guys. So, uh, you know, um, here we are. We've been on vacation for a week, and uh, you know, a whole lot of a whole lot of nothing, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, we've got a patch to talk about, but Parias, our uh, under the bonnet author, he looked at it and he said, "Nah." He might not even do an under the bonnet column on this one just because there's really nothing exciting uh, under the bonnet. I mean, there's really not a lot going on there. And so since Lennon's not here, I have to ask the question, Jeff, to you. Where the f*** is the Avenger mission pack? I don't know. Kind of kind of sitting out there waiting. But in the meantime, the executive producer and I have been do- doing a lot of Battlefield three or uh, 4 stuff. Oh, okay. So you have been. The content drought has a, has a, has officially driven you away. You and Elliot are playing Battlefield Four. Yeah, it's, it's it's a problem. It's a problem. Justin, what have you been doing during been this content playing, drought? Uh, a few games. There's a Steam sale, so I went overboard and spent like ten bucks. Oh yeah. I do have one thing of note. I already have the disc and stuff of everything, but I went ahead and bought the complete uh, GOG kit for Wing Commander. So I have them. Have them all electronically oh, yeah. now. Nice. Yeah, I got that a while back. So I don't oh, need yeah, to cool. find my disc and everything. Every Wing Commander there is. So Prophecy, the Wing Commander 1, uh, 2, 3, all the add-ons and everything. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the good old games, they've sort of updated it so that it'll run on a Windows 7, Windows 8 environment. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's the that's other reason why. That's not necessarily a guarantee with some of your old 90s. <laughs> yeah, it runs just fine. Some, some serious configuring has to happen with those old games. Yeah. Uh, yeah I've got the Wing Commander that you run just fine from GOG. But in the in Steam sale, I got just a couple games. I got uh, Papers, Please. That's kind of a checkpoint. You, you're a guy at a checkpoint between other countries, people trying to come in, and you have to verify that they're allowed or they're not allowed. And also Feed Your Family also got a uh, Brothers. I play that game every week for real. It's not It's not all it's cracked out to be. Yeah, it is fun though. I also got <laughs> Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. That one, it's a short game. Very well worth the, I had some Steam credit, so I spent less than two bucks. Definitely worth two bucks. And most importantly, I got Goat Simulator. So that's loads of fun. Well, I, all kidding aside, there actually was an update to uh, Arena Commander, and that is the Squadron Battle Mode, which now you can team up and try to kill other people in the verse. And I, to tell you the truth, was a little disappointed. Uh, did you guys get in and play that? Yeah, I had I fun. tried, but um, it kept cra- it kept uh, disconnecting me. And then there it I, is. Yeah, it just... Yeah. It yeah. was a bit laggy. That was 
going to be a big yeah, issue. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed with the performance. But, I mean, it, it's to be expected. It's an alpha. It's to be expected. They're going to work these kinks out. But it just... Uh, and the other thing I was disappointed about was that you can't actually choose teams yet. I mean, I know the private match system isn't up and going yet, but I... That's the part that I'm really, really waiting for. So I was a little disappointed. I couldn't quite enjoy the squadron battle because of the lag problems and the fact that we still can't pick teams yet. So, uh, But that patch is out there now. And if you have multiplayer access and everyone who has a citizen number of 200,000 or below does now have access to the multiplayer, go out there, uh, match up, and uh, try to kill your friends. But we do have a tip for you this week, don't we, Justin? This week's tip is a mapping tool for Xbox controllers and X52 and X55 HOTASs. A link in the show notes to the RSI forum post, which then in turn links to the tool itself. But this XML file generator by Simon Frost allows you to create an XML file. It's in Google Chrome only, but you can drag the desired command from a list into various buttons on the picture of the chosen controller. And then once you're done configuring everything, you hit download, you get a file, then you use the console command to set up your controller however you'd like. And it's much easier than manually typing everything in by hand, which I've done on my Thrustmaster T-Flight Stick X, but it only has 12 buttons, so it wasn't that difficult. Could be worse. Could be worse. You're saying. Like an X-52 or an X-55. Hey, Jeff, how many how many buttons do those, uh, those HOTASs have? Uh, about 32 to 35 or 6, depending on the HOTAS. And so it's good to see the community stepping up again. Thanks to Simon Frost for putting together that little application there. And uh, between that and voice attack, that's going to inspire our community question for this week. The third-party joystick mapper is very useful, and on 10 for the chairman, they suggest integrating voice attack into the game. Well, what other third-party tools would you like to see in the game that aren't already being looked at? Instagram? Connect? Track IR? Ha 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 ha! Let us know on our show post at GuardFrequency.com or on our show's forum thread over at the RSI's fan site subforum. Uh, I wouldn't mind them putting um, Integrate with Twitch. A lot of games do that now. It'd be cool to have like a Google chat. Yeah, Google Hangout. You remember like in uh, StarCraft, you know, you always, every once in a while you get a video in the in the corner from the miner or the, uh, the big commander guy telling you what to do? Well, with the latest news from CIG done... Let's learn all about guns, lasers, and all kinds of space pew-pew in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Greetings, hits and sieves, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets, where we like to delve into the guts of Star Citizen and give you all the gory details from the inside out. A warning up front, this game is still in active development, so anything we say is subject to change. Now that we're splattering Vanduul, or being splattered by them, it's time to start looking at our tools for splatteration. Let's talk guns. Our test ships are each equipped with standard loadout for testing and balancing an arena commander. These are not going to be the based weapons in the Persistent Universe ships, and damage variables are guaranteed to change. With those warnings in mind, let's take a look at the projectile weapons on the Aurora, the 300i, and the Hornet. With one exception, all the guns on the test ships fire energy projectiles, or lasers. The exception is the Mantis GT-220, a pair of Gatling chain gun mounts under the wings of the test F7A Hornet, and can swivel through limited arcs to track targets. We're starting with the kinetic gun because I'm still a little bit fuzzy on how kinetic damage works in the verse. The one thing I do know is that they are orange. Beyond that, as far as I can tell, kinetic projectiles partially ignore shields and do some hull damage each successful hit. The lower the shield energy, the harder Sir Isaac Newton punches. Contrast that with energy projectiles, or 
lasers, which do very little hull damage until the shields are gone, but which deliver full damage to those shields with every strike. And on the Hornet, your laser of choice is the CF-007 Bulldog Repeater, mounted on a swiveling ball turret amidships behind the cockpit. With their centerline mounting and low weight, this pair of three-barreled cannons track fast moving targets pretty efficiently, and their fire rate is first rate. Also, they're blue. But the Hornet isn't the only ship with blue lasers. The 300i has one too. But it only has one nose-mounted bulldog, and it doesn't track. It does have gimbaled weapons on the wing, a pair of OmniSky 6 cannons. They pack a larger punch, but cycle less frequently than the bulldogs. And the primary feature is their intrinsic greenness. Last, but certainly not least, well, well, maybe, yeah, least, uh, the Aurora. This ship also sports guns of greenness, a pair of bearing M3A single-shot cannons. While they're not classified as repeaters like the Bulldog, they do enable short bursts of spray-and-pray fire before your power packs run out and you have to wait for all the deck fighters to get into range before you trigger Death Blossom. Sorry, wrong IP. Well, that's the rundown on the uh, the guns on the ships. We didn't do the missiles this week. We'll save that for later on. But uh, the, the missiles are still kind of an I-win button. Uh, but these these lasers and, uh, and uh, projectile weapons uh, take some skill to learn how to use, right, guys? Since the first few days, I haven't taken my Aurora or my 300 in. So I stick with the Hornet. Yeah, the combination of uh, kinetic and uh, energy seems to be the best. I'm just trying to figure, well, I mean, do you want to, like, tear up the shields first and then follow up with kinetic weapons? Or do you want to, you know, get some licks in and then uh, try to get the shields down afterwards? I mean, I think it sounds to me like the best way to do it would be to start off with the lasers and then go into the kinetics. Well, the way I look at it is I, I'm hoping, at least I don't know if that this is true, that but the, the guns... Are going or the Gatling guns are going to are have a limited ammo uh, usage, so which means they do not they're not infinite like the lasers are as as long as your power grid is still active. So I say that for close combat kills, um, especially after I've we uh, wheedled down their shields a bit. So um, I I don't start off with my. Well, with my and guns. I think that. Uh the gun uh, ammunition uh, component of this is going to take on more of a, uh, a serious consideration once we get into the persistent universe and every shot costs you something. You know, if you have to spend money on ammunition packs uh, for your kinetic weapons but not for your energy weapons, you know, it's going to, the spray and pray feature of the fast firing laser cannons is going to look a lot more attractive from an economic perspective, uh, uh, lower cost per shot. Well, I don't think it will be costing that much, though. Um, uh, simply for the fact that then no Gatling guns will ever get uh, sold. Um, simply for know. the fact, uh, simply for the fact, fact that the ammo costs so much. I mean, when you can mount, when I can mount a laser that uh, you know pretty much you know does pretty much the same thing, then I'm going to go with the lasers every time. Yeah, I wonder if you have really high-powered shields, you might need to use kinetic to whittle away at the hull if you're not going to be able to shoot through the shield with lasers. Yeah, Maybe. That, could be, that could definitely be a way to do it. You know, Or you're fighting a, an opponent who has a, you know, a legendary shield but an eggshell hull. You know, you, you might like to have that kinetic backup. I, I, I haven't figured out exactly what the model is. I've checked several sources, and none of them were especially clear on exactly the kinetic versus the laser thing. I've just come up with my best formulation. I think that's how it's, it's working so far and my experience flying around uh, with my Hornet. So 
Uh, but if, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to be wrong if anybody wants to uh, to tell me how exactly. You need advanced combat. Yeah, somebody get, on that, somebody get on that business. Hey, answer for the community question. Nicely done. So what will be really interesting is when the, they bring the Connie in, we'll be able to play with a bunch of Oh, yeah, I can't wait until we can actually change weapons. I mean, you can change weapons in the, in the uh, dogfighting module right now, but it's just uh, the loadouts don't stick, and so you have to keep, you know, redo it every single time you load the hangar up. So I've, I've put on the Neutron gun, uh, and that has an extremely a painfully slow rate of fire on that. It hits hard when it does hit, though. Uh, you can, that's a that's a two-shot or one-shot kill. So you think... Uh, you think it might be more of a long-range sniper kind of... Uh, Something that's a little slower, a little fatter, uh, doesn't wiggle around as much? Be surprised if they put in something like Advanced Combat Tracker officially, because they've said, Chris has said, they're not going to have stats for items. It would be more like uh, marketing speak for items, and then yeah. you know, players can figure out. It would be it would fit in the verse where you said, like, it's a, it's a tactical analysis computer or something like that, you know, some you know. Uh, they could they could sell that in the shops, you know, or, or you know have it in game to buy. So I, I, there's there's ways. Oh, there's ways. Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a tidbit of lore some sit or sieve taught you that we all should know? Let us know by dropping us an email at squawkatguardfrequency.com. But for now, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies, so let's just be friendly. From our show post at guardfrequency.com, from show 28, Sean Newboy says, Wonderful show, everyone. I've missed you, Sean Newboy. Where you been, buddy? I think he was on vacation, too, actually. I think he skipped uh, uh, talking on one of the one of the episodes, so it's good to see he's back. BT Kager writes, uh, The flight model is fantastic. It's just very different than what we're used to. As a physics nut, I genuinely love that I can feel when I'm pushing the limits of the craft I'm flying. They've done an incredible job demonstrating proper angular momentum. Basically, the physics are so good that you can feel both the advantages and disadvantages of various craft. I have really liked the physics model, and I haven't minded Chris Roberts explaining it over and over again. Once in our interview with him, again in the 10 for the Chairman episode, and again in that humongous post. I on think the that as soon as people quit expecting arcade flight, and mm. actually know yeah. that they're getting, um, uh, you know, what can be as close approximation of space flight, um, I think they're going to be uh, less and less griping about it. Yeah, plus once once you get in a bigger space with other people doing stuff. I mean, even the sh- something as simple as the shields, just playing versus a person versus Vandal made a huge difference just being able to adjust my shields. So people are going to think of all kinds of things to do. You know, there'll be a great number of things to learn in this game, which is kind of why I like playing this game, because it's learning a new thing. I'm not very good at it yet, but, I mean, that's part of the ch- the fun and the challenge of it. Well, the fact that I, I can get somebody that's tailing me and shooting at my rear shields and then decouple and immediately do a... A 180 and and uh, take him out of the sky is kind of like yeah. And I had a moment just before I disconnected while I was trying uh, squadron combat. I, w- I was getting a collision warning and I just turned and basically slid right across, just right in front of the big uh, terraforming platform. And it was just like oh my gosh, I'm gonna die moment. But I just just sl- because I was sliding it, yeah. And it, it was just like that was so awesome. Then I was in my hangar. It was still a cool moment just to be. <laughs> 
you know, just because what I was the way I was flying, it just happened to not die. So that was fun. Yeah, no, and and again, it's it's part of the fun of learning it too. It's like I didn't know I could do that, and now you know you can do that. But it was it's it's exhilarating. It's kind of it's a lot of fun, and it just looks so damn good. Man, it looks pretty. And in response to our next great Starship supplemental, Saeldian writes in, Hey guys, thanks for the supplement. I'm pleased to reward you for your efforts. Achievement Unlocked. In fact, here's the latest song by Fernando Pepe called Achievement Unlocked, written just for you guys, I'm sure. Yeah, that's it. And he uh, provided a link to another uh, fan contribution, another fan composition, excuse me, uh, from Fernando Pepe. And I, Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't this a guy that has already done the unofficial yeah, uh, Star Citizen soundtrack? There's actually several people, not just him. There's multiple files, and then they've released... So they have the original, then there's a hangar pack and an arena commander pack. Uh, there's at least, I'm seeing, at least five guys. Well, we'll throw the link up to the show notes uh, that uh, Sealdian writes in. And Sealdian also writes us to uh, squawk at guardfrequency.com and says, Thanks for educating the masses and for all you guys do. I'm going to the beach. Well, it's summertime. Everyone's going on vacation. Why not? From the RSI forum post, Ranger XML posts a picture of a Xeon scout with wings locked into a tight position. Think X-Wing not in attack position. And then says, what was that about the Xeon scout not looking like it could fly in the atmosphere? And he says, I always look at ships with advanced shielding systems as being able to change their aerodynamics by using the shields. I couldn't resist the shiny awesome ship and can't wait to fly it. And as for currency... Anyone remember the nightmare of various marks in stow that then were reduced all to dilithium, and now we're getting back to a, the nightmare tons of marks? I, I personally don't remember the original nightmare tons of marks. Uh, I, I joined after dilithium, and I personally don't think the... I don't consider the reputation marks as currency, because they only go one place. So, that's it, it's more like a score than a currency. But that, that's my opinion. Other people can complain about it in Rage if they want. Oh, we could. We really could. And, and Jeff and I have a continuing Rage going on about it. Uh, uh, and not Rage, but just debate. And I think, you know, I, you make a very good point, uh, Justin, that it's not a currency unless it's uh, tradable in a lot of different places for a lot of different things. These are tokens. Star Trek Online, for those of you who don't play it, if you play certain types of missions... You get certain tickets that you can trade in for specialized gear, and uh, those reputation marks or tokens only go to that particular gear. You can't get it, get it or do anything else with it. The currency that I'm talking about here is more akin to, again, using the Star Trek Online reference, to like the Lobby crystals, which you can use to buy a variety of different items that are account bound, that are tied to just one account, and I think. And that's where I want to stress the differences. Is that uh, I, I still understand the currency proliferation argument, but let's take it out of the idea of the marks and put it into more of this uh, account crystal currency. And a lot of other games have similar um, uh, mechanics. You can buy a variety of items, but only that one account has the benefit of the currency or the items you get from it. And I think that mechanic is going to have to find its way into Star Citizen somehow. To handle the uh, the gold farmers, 
I, I disagree. The fireworks agreed with me. Did you hear the fireworks? I heard the fireworks. But, you know, this is such a new universe and such a, a different universe. It's already shaping up to be a game unlike any other. Why do we worry about the gold farmers in the first place? And why do we need to have so many different mechanisms to purchase gear? So is a great example. I mean, I know the difference between a currency and a reputation give. But the fact is, is that there are seven different reputation systems in Stowe. And that means that you get so bored trying to grind out that I've, I've never completed any of them. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I quit doing them. It's a burnout. As soon as they announce a new one, you just go, oh, here we go. Another grind. Oh, my God. Here's, you know. Yeah, I agree with you and I agree with Ranger. I agree with both of you. But I, and I'm saying that, that don't do that. Make it like Lobby. Lobby I can acquire by spending things or spending a master key on opening a box. That's a return of something that I purchased. Right, right. And and there's going to have to do something different than Lobby in that you it's not just the cash, right? Uh, the, the cash, we already do that with the UEC. They're going to have to tie it. it, it, it it's, like a, it's like a combination of Lobby and Dilithium then maybe to get, again, sorry to all of our audience out there that doesn't play Star Trek online, but we all come from there. That's our commonality here. Justin, uh, Jeff and I, that's where we all, we, we share that common vocabulary uh, among the three of us. Um, and it's a good game. We, we like the game, so you should check it out. The combination of Lobby and Dilithium, some of the features of both. I think you steal some features from both of those and mush it together. I think you come up with the Banu, whatever, the Xeon, something's that uh, that come into the account bound uh, time for reward equation currency. Let's just keep having this talk. We'll just, I mean, like I said, it's it's not a debate that's going to be solved, and I think it's a good debate to have, regardless of how RSI turns out with it. Um, but I think you know it, it's something that I think we need to keep on everyone's radar uh, as they get, get closer to firing up the actual economy in a test phase. And see how it runs. Yeah, and, and they can definitely do it different than other games because they're starting from scratch. So they can look at the other ones. What does it do? How do they do it right? What do people not like? And maybe make it some way that works. Rager Ironblood sends in a gif of the word something overlaid on a picture of a flailing necromorph and then suggests we cover the flight model entirely, likely in a comprehensive Nuggets for Nuggets. I believe the flailing necromorph was a a visual comparison to the rage on the forums. That's my interpretation. Yes, yes, I, I believe you. I believe your reference is correct. There's much flailing and, and gnashing of teeth. I I think at this point the flail, the flight model has been covered pretty thoroughly, and we've made our position pretty clear here on the show, haven't we? Jeff, is there anything else you want to expound upon about the the flight model? No, I'm not going to get on my soapbox. No, there is nothing I want to cover. <laughs> I've sung my praises about it and, and told people to you know get off my lawn and quit your moaning and groaning. Justin, you've had some success with the flight model as well. I think it's fun. I yeah. So I you know it, uh, and there's again plenty of resources out there that ex- that describe for you in detail why it's not your grandfather's Oldsmobile that you're driving anymore out there so i mean I, we're, we're good we're, we're good rigor iron blood if you would like us to cover that um please fill out a form in triplicate uh stamp it with uh stamps from uh, uh the prussian empire and mail it to p.o box 282 Mays, kansas 67101 and uh we'll get right on that right away and from twitter 
When Shiv pointed out the spam in the feedback wasn't his fault, he asked for suggestions of in-universe spam. Citizen Star suggested comlinks from Banu Princes. And Rogue Force suggested people are looking at your Facebook profile. Click here to find out who. The ad guys from our fictional ad universe might need to, you know, talk to those guys. Yeah, there's a podcast I listened to, The Drabblecast. A few times they had a spam contest. You had to write the best spam and you would win a prize. It was fun. Zumpf says... Good show, guys. The format works great. Well, he stole it from our other show, so it seems to be working pretty good for both of us. Rogue Force says, yay for me getting a shout-out. Well, we try. Well, well, and here's another one. Hey, Rogue Force! Ronan San Roman said across a few tweets that guard frequency was good for new citizens to get info and was great fun. Well, I hope it continues to be great fun in the future. Ken from Chicago says, A thorough galactic inquiry on HUD Worthington reveals that he must be insane selling stars his and ships so low. His pain, your gain. Or as he says, my steal, your deal. <laughs> Citizen Star and Kanswiss helpfully pointed out all the ways Shiv improperly posted the supplemental show. With any luck, this episode will fare much better. This is why we can't have nice things. When our token Britisher goes away, you know, just it all goes to hell around here. Show notes are late because uh, I can't get them done on time. Shiv can't get the show posted. Jeff, you're pretty much just like always there, right? I'm pretty much always here. Jeff's our rock. Jeff's our solid place. <laughs> that comes with age. Trust me, when you get to be my age, you'll, you'll <laughs> be there too. Oh, well, I'd be solid, too. And underscore laughter says, awesome, I will have to listen. Oh, she and I got in a conversation about uh, microphones, and uh, I I told her, she tweeted that she had just bought a Yeti mic, and I told her, you won't regret it. It's a wonderful microphone. That's that's how wonderful it is. Let me just say that this microphone will turn your voice into a sexy, sexy sound, and that you'll draw listeners far and near. That's right. Justin, Justin, are you recording on a Yeti microphone? I'm recording my smooth tones on an H2 Zoom. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it has the same effect. You know, I don't, I don't know. Let's, let's try this. Let's try this. Testing one, two. Testing three, four. Testing five, six. Mm, no, I think the Yeti brings the sexy. I'm not sure about that H2. Well, speaking of me having an H2, if everyone donated a whole bunch of money, I could get a Yeti. <laughs> and, nice, smooth, smooth, Shiv. That was good. And speaking of donating, from our outrageously amazing donors of monetary goodness, we have Christopher Warren, Anonymous, and Nicholas Allen. Thank you very much for your contribution. So, how was the show? Does it make you hope you end up on our team in squadron battle? Or make you want to be on the other side with a chance to blow us all to bits? Ha 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 ha! Either way, let us know, and here are some ways that you can get in touch with us. Check us out on our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com Or leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com And you can subscribe feeds.guardfrequency.com or find us on iTunes. Hit us up on Twitter at guardfreak or leave a comment and like us on facebook.com slash guardfreak and if you're old school like us you can shoot us an email at squawk at guardfrequency.com that's s-q-u-a-w-k your feedback is an important part of what we do so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind 
And that brings us to the end of episode 29 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 30 on July 15th. Be sure to keep an eye out for our episodes over at GuardFrequency.com or our post over at the Robert Space Industries fan site subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can hit the contact form at the top of our website. All the details for all our contact methods will be in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come and join our team? If so, send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. We're always on the lookout for talented individuals, and right now we're seeking an audio engineer to come and join us. So, if you'd like to be part of the best damn space sim podcast ever, then we'd love to hear from you. And if you're looking for a friendly wingman or two, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com slash org slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday night, join us live at guardfrequency.com slash live, 8 p.m. Central. That's 2 a.m. Sunday GMT. We want to thank the entire team over at Guard Frequency and Priority One Productions. Thanks to our community manager, Jay Chivalry Bean, and artist Simon Charlton Edwards. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass. And special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we want to especially thank you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Time to 330-15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. comes with everything that fledgling engineer needs to take a look and the mechanics of it. Can you do that again without saying fledgling like <laughs> Tony? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to sound sexy like a Latin lover? Fledging is when an eagle is making the feathers. Fledgling is a small eagle that has some feathers, but not all the feathers it needs. The more you know. five guys well we'll throw the link up to the show notes uh, that uh, Sayoldian writes in uh, from the uh... apparently Jeff clicked the link and yes. there's the sound yes uh, I'm trying to pause it thank you Jeff <laughs> kill it kill the fire oh my god oh my god oh my god Jeff this is not good radio so, alright I'll, I'll check it out later it's I funny because I, I just wanted the link up un, so I could un, go to un, it later but uh, uh, and apparently Bavarian and German is the same thing, I guess. <laughs> beep, beep. If you have a mind, that is. Email. Strong bat, email. <laughs>